Saturday night in Morgantown. Another night kickoff, this time on the road for the Sooners as they travel to continue their quest for a sixth consecutive Big 12 championship. What's going on, everybody? This is Matt Hofeld along with Richard Craig. This is the Sooner Nation podcast, and we're going to start out by wishing you a happy Thanksgiving. Maybe you haven't had Thanksgiving yet and you're listening to the podcast. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving. And maybe you have already had your Thanksgiving and you're listening to the podcast. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Now, all that's taken care of. Let's start on the recruiting front, Rich. Big news as far as Tristan Lee is concerned. One of the still available top guys out there. He's number Regardless 11th, of position. Right. Number 11th recruit nationally, the number four offensive tackle in this uh, class, the number one state, uh, number one prospect from the state of Virginia. Another round of crystal ball predictions come out for Tristan this last week. And they're both done by um, by guys who, well, one guy is an NC State insider. I don't know how much you want to put, you know, how much stock you want to put in that. But apparently he knows something because um, he picked Tristan Lee to come to Oklahoma. And then another guy, Brian Dawn, uh, which is a 24-7 sports national recruiting analyst, he also made the crystal ball prediction for Tristan Lee to come to Oklahoma. And th- here's why this is important, because the three schools that are that are really involved in the recruitment of this kid are Oklahoma, Clemson, and LSU. And with these latest crystal balls that have just come out, these predictions have Oklahoma now leading the charge to land Tristan Lee in this 2021 class. And Clemson's, I mean, you would think Clemson's out of it with the 12.5% chance LSU 41.7 and now Oklahoma at 45.8. We we know two things come to mind about Tristan Lee. We well, a couple things come to mind about Tristan Lee. I guess that's two things, right? Number one, Caleb Williams has been working hard on this kid. Even even before he was committed to the Sooners, Caleb Williams was trying to get Tristan Lee to be a part of this class. Back when they had the Sooner Summit, Tristan Lee was at that as a as a participant. And so was his brother. And Oklahoma has already offered his younger brother, who's like either like I, I don't I don't really go beyond the, the coming year, so I can't even tell you much about the 2022 class at this point. But I can tell you, Tristan Lee's brother, who's like an eighth grader or a ninth grader, has a scholarship offer from the University of Oklahoma. That's how bad everybody wants him. This is the kind of guy. Already a great class for the Sooners, number 12 nationally, number one in the Big 12. But this is a guy who's a game changer, much the way Caleb Williams is a game changer. Adding a five-star offensive tackle can absolutely be a game changer to your class. Let's not forget, there are a couple of top recruits along the offensive line that Oklahoma currently is in. On, Of course, Tr- Foster. <clears throat> yes, Tristan Sorry. Lee is the, the highest ranked. Of those, correct me if I'm wrong in that assumption, but Tristan Lee being the highest ranked, he is one of the biggest priorities. You've mentioned the three schools that are currently in on him. It's anyone's guess at this point in time as to where Tristan Lee eventually commits to play college football. But what you have to like about him is he's he's really close to that prototypical size that you're looking for at the the offensive line specifically the offensive tackle position. If you were to go in and you were to look at the averages, what you'd see is an average of about 6'3", 
306 pounds, uh, maybe 6'4", somewhere between 6'3", 6'4", and the average weight was 306 pounds. I know that that's steadily been rising over the past several years, but Tristan Lee checks in at 6'5", 270. He clearly has the frame to add Mm -hmm. a bit of weight once landing on a collegiate campus, but you like what he already presents in strength, athleticism, and size. Now, I, I would not count out Ohio State making a late push for him as well. But here's here's what Oklahoma has in their favor right now. The Buckeyes currently have three commitments at offensive tackle for 2021. You know how many Oklahoma has? Zero. That'd be one. They have one commitment for, for 2021 at offensive tackle. So you would think that just by proxy there that Oklahoma has a little bit of an advantage there just from a, from a numbers perspective, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and I look at what's currently on the roster as well. If we're going to use those numbers, then we have to give that edge to LSU. If you're looking for early playing time, if you're looking to set foot on campus and make an immediate impact, the the clear winner would be LSU with six offensive tackles on their roster versus Oklahoma's 11, and we can go ahead and, and look at Ohio State's 14. And I guess I... I'm I I you you got me doubting myself so I went back and looked and Colin Montgomery is not an offensive tackle he's a guard so so that's you're right they have zero right now committed for 2021 at the at the tackle position it's weird because I I, I'm going with the one because when we look at Ju47 Sports which is a reliable source a source that we've quoted a source that we've cited on numerous occasions they do have it listed as one commit. Maybe Tristan Lee is committed and 24-7 sports is just kind of dropping hints out there. <laughs> okay, so let's, let me throw another thing out here. This is just total speculation and rumor. And I, I feel comfortable. You, we typically don't get into speculation and rumor, but I feel like this is comfortable enough because if it's, if it's not correct information, it's really one of those no harm, no foul type things. But the rumor mill has it that Samar Whedon is going to be making his commitment on Thanksgiving Day. Okay. I'm, that's that, I, that's news to me. That's all I got. That's that that's just the rumor mill hubbub stuff. So I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's false, but something else to look forward to because you know what? You can't talk about Oklahoma basketball on Thanksgiving Day. You can't talk about how they started the season off with a win over UTSA. Sorry, I'm already getting ahead of us on the on the talking points here, but the point is something to look just to kind of have in the back of your mind to. You get your turkey, you get your trip to fan coma, and you go over to the couch and you flip out your phone, you start scrolling through Twitter, you might you might see a commitment for the Sooners on, on Thanksgiving Day. So here's what, what I'm looking at, Matt. Again, using 247 Sports, they do have an article out by Colin Kennedy. Now, it's the meat of what's provided in this article is not provided by Colin Kennedy. Rather, it's a video by Wilt Fong who comes in and says can Oklahoma hang on to a guy like Kelvin Gilliam and if Samar Wheaton there's a speculated move does that move impact the chances of him signing or even committing to the University of Oklahoma 
when you say move, like like moving addresses. Yeah, that's that's what I. So I'm just gonna read it to you verbatim here. It says earlier in the clip, talking about a video that's linked here in the article. Earlier in the clip, he touches on Kelvin Gilliam and Notre Dame's attempt to flip him from the Sooners. Then later in the video, Wilt Fong shares some news on five-star running back Samar Wheaton and a potential move that impacts Oklahoma. I'm assuming that means a physical address, of location. Maybe I don't know. We'll, find we'll have out. to watch that video a little later, huh? Something worth uh, something worth paying attention to for sure. All right, um, Frank Frank Beamer's son Shane Beamer, who coaches H backs and special teams at the University of Oklahoma, tight ends H backs and special teams. Oklahoma doesn't have tight ends; they have H backs. I don't know why they don't describe them. And that Oklahoma way. State has cowboy backs. No, well, that's so. a different. That's called a fullback to everybody else in the country. But anyway, um. Shane Beamer interviewing for the South Carolina job as early as Friday makes sense because the Sooners are making the trick up to Morgantown, West Virginia, and you can easily just kind of swing in South Carolina, jump off in Columbia, get off the airplane and go talk to some people and then get back on the airplane and meet up with the boys in, in Morgantown. I, I, I think this is a good move for Shane Beamer. I think if he gets offered this job, he needs to take it. And I, this is coming from a guy who would hate to see Shane Beamer no, no longer on the staff because I think he's contributed. When you look, you look at, look at Mikey Henderson, look at Austin Stogner, look at Grant Calcaterra in the years. I mean, look what he has done to that position at the University of Oklahoma, plus special teams. I mean, the guy, the guy's a good coach, but he's not a coordinator. And you're telling me a Power Five conference school. In South Carolina, that that's a pretty good as far as tradition in in that part of the country. I've been I've been to Columbia, I've been to Lexington, I have I've got work connections, and that's Clemson, South Carolina, right there. I mean that that's the borderline. Half of them are are Tigers, half of them are Gamecocks. That is a good football part of the world to be in. He's already been there once as an assistant coach. Was up for the. Um, the Art Bryles Award for the top assistant coach in the nation. But the point I'm making is if you're, a, if you're not even a coordinator, you're a positions coach and you get offered a job at a power five school, you jump on that. I mean, you just, you just absolutely have to jump on it. Don't you? One, it's not a lateral move. So I would absolutely agree with you. Uh, a parallel move, a lateral, lateral, lateral move. move. What's yeah. the, the yeah, typical lateral. terminology? Yeah. What you I'm want to thinking, step up. If you move, you want to step up. And that right. is a huge step up. Absolutely. And it's looking at what you've just mentioned. This guy's not even a coordinator at the University of Oklahoma. I think it speaks to the potential that exists in Shane Beamer. I think it it speaks to his track record. It speaks to what he's currently doing and what he has done over the past stops that he's had before coming to the University of Oklahoma. But needless to say... There are a handful of young up-and-coming coaches, and I think what we're seeing, Matt, is a lot of success out of those. Lincoln Riley's a prime example, mm. a guy who who came in as the offensive coordinator and then slid into that head coaching role and has really continued to ramp up not only the production on the offensive side of the ball, but also in recruiting. And when guys come along and they do that, Alex Grinch could very well be another example of that. A little A little further down the road, we'll have to wait to see. But Shane Beamer's falling right, falling right in line with those two names. It's yeah, it's hard well, to ignore him. It's hard to just cross him off a list, regardless of that not not owning a coordinator role right now. 
you mentioned that there's three guys and one of the guys that, that South Carolina is interviewing is the head coach at Louisville. And he said yesterday, I'm not a candidate. I mean, I'm, I am where I am. I like it here. And even though my name is mentioned out there, I'm a Louisville Cardinal. Now that could just be coach talk, but if he's, if he's removed from the equation, that means you got Shane Beamer, who is a positions coach against another guy who is a positions coach for this job. And the other guy is a running backs coach for, for South Carolina. So, I mean, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's not just a token interview. I think they're legitimately interested in him. And, and again, we're, we're both saying the same thing. If you're a guy who's got the family history of the Beamer name from that part of the country, you you go, I mean, you, you go, it's a good move for South Carolina because of the brand, because of the Beamer name. It's a good move for Shane Beamer because again, you're, you're jumping from being a coordinator. I mean, from being a, a positions coach, bypassing the coordinator evaluation and going right to being a head coach. And that's, again, it's a no brainer because they're going to throw millions of dollars at you. And if you fail, you're still walking away with millions of dollars. Yeah. But there, there's always a consequence to failing. Millions of dollars, Rich. I get that. Money's not everything, Matt. But no, here's what I'm saying though. This is what's great about it for Shane Beamer is because what's the consequence? You're a head coach. All right. Follow, follow logic here. You're a head coach and you fail. What's next for you? Where do you go? I don't know. You follow Charlie Strong. You go be a coordinator somewhere, right? So if you're a head coach, think about Mark Mangino. Mark Mangino, with air quotes, failed at Kansas. Okay? And then he pops up as an offensive coordinator. You see what I'm saying? This is what's great about for Shane Beamer. He's not a coordinator. So he goes to become a head coach. He fails. He goes back. To, he goes back to being a coordinator somewhere. It's still a promotion from where you are at OU. I mean, it's it's a no lose situation. Okay. I'm just. That's just the I, way I, I have, look at I, it. I have no response to that, but I I do see guys who entered the head coach role who didn't have a lot of success and were eventually let go by whichever program it may be and are now sitting not even as a, a coordinator but a former head coach sitting on staff under other guys. I mean, it happens. It's not impossible. Cons- I mean, you could be a consultant and stuff like that. But, I, I mean, I think more – head like, think about Bo Pelini. Probably not a worse head coach in recent memory than Bo Pelini at Nebraska. Where is he now? He's mm-hmm. roaming the sidelines in Baton Rouge, Louisiana so, as a coordinator. So, basically, you're telling me there's, there's two options. If Shane Beamer becomes the next head coach at South Carolina – and he fails, there are two options. One, he becomes a program analyst and joins a staff that way, or he's relegated to the coordinator role for the rest of his life. No, no, no. You, I mean, no. Ed Orgeron, we'll, we'll stay with the LSU thing. Ed Orgeron got fired, shows up in Los Angeles, was a coordinator for USC. Then when USC fired their coach, Orgeron was promoted to the interim head coach. USC decided to go a different way. They get the guy they have now, and Orgeron shows up in Baton Rouge, and now he's the head coach. I mean, you, coaches are recycled. Lane Kiffin, another one. How many times has Lane Kiffin been fired in his <laughs> lifetime? But he, he keeps popping up as a head coach. He's head coach at Ole Miss. So just because you get fired, especially if you're young, Lane Kiffin's a good example because if you're young, I mean, Lane Kiffin's been fired 
Let, let, let's count the ways. You know, he's been fired from the NFL. He's been fired from college football. And now he's back at the helm of a Power 5 program in the SEC because coaches keep getting recycled. That's the whole point I'm making. This isn't this isn't a, a no-win situation for Frank for Shane Beamer. This is a win-win situation. All right, real quick, close it out this segment. Oklahoma basketball not getting started uh, this weekend as we had thought. The Sooners, uh, under with COVID testing and with uh, contact tracing, their game against UTSA has been canceled, as well as Saturday's game uh, on the road against UCF. Oklahoma's best chance to start the season now is December 9th against the Florida Gators. And that's maybe not going to happen either because Florida's in the exact same spot that the Sooners are in and that they have suspended team activities due to COVID. So I guess stand by if you're an Oklahoma basketball fan. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so here's how it goes when you have a podcast. Typically, the way it works out is you record a podcast, you get it all published, you get it um, edited. What is it called? Produced. That's what I'm looking for. You get it produced, and then you get it published. You get it out there on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places podcasts are. And then breaking news happens that totally invalidates the information you shared on your podcast. And all the years we've been doing this, this that has happened to us. How many times? Dozens, right? My guess. Sure, okay. I'm, I wasn't going to agree, Matt, because it doesn't happen to me. Just just to you. Just to me, okay. But, and, and a little, I mean, I almost call it a stroke of good news. As we're recording the podcast, breaking news, Oklahoma will not be playing football against West Virginia this weekend. Just like the basketball program, the Sooners are stopping program activities due to positive testing and contact tracing. Now, this game's going to be rescheduled for December 12th, which is interesting because, you know, you and I are off the air. We're talking that was the original date of the Big 12 championship game, but we already know that Oklahoma State Baylor's been moved to that game. Uh, now we know Oklahoma and West Virginia will be moved to that day. And the Big 12 has announced, by the way, 11 a.m. kickoff on December 19th for the conference championship game. It's just fitting that that is an 11 a.m. kickoff. <laughs> you know, that's just... That, that that's that's just the way it goes. So Oklahoma off this weekend. Hopefully everybody can get healthy and it gives us the opportunity just to kind of chill out and not have game coverage responsibilities, which also means we won't have a podcast on Sunday night. But what it does not mean, Rich, what this does not mean is that we still don't have a true or false. We're, we're definitely going to do true or false. What, what you were hoping for was some kind of a bailout. Yeah, you got I the mean, bailout Matt, because you, you, you are, always say that you're so nervous. Yeah, but these. you're versatile, man. You can, you can. I, now I'm even more nervous because it's not going to be focused on Oklahoma, West but, Virginia. But you almost had a, a bailout. No, I, I, I'm, I'm down for this. You, you've got, you've got it. You, you've refocused. You've re-energized. You're ready to go. I have no idea what you're going to ask me, but I'm pretty confident it has Could nothing. Be anything. About knock my my microphone over. I'm pretty confident it has nothing to do with Oklahoma, West Virginia football. This is true. All right. So here we go. True or false. 
have at it. True, true or false? I don't know, Matt, if you have seen any of the comments from Kirk Herbstreet following Oklahoma's dominant performance against a ranked opponent in Oklahoma State over the previous weekend. Even though it's in front of a home crowd, doesn't make it that doesn't make it any less impressive. The stats and the accolades speak for themselves. But Kirk Herbstreet said these words, OU is better right now at this point of the season than they have been with Baker Mayfield, than they have been with Kyler Murray, and of course, he threw in Jalen Hurts as well. True or false, that's an accurate statement. No, that's true, And but here's the thing. He's not saying that Spencer Rattler, as a redshirt freshman— No, no, freshman, no. We're talking whole right, team. Right. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. The, the, Kirk Herbstreit is not saying that Spencer Rattler, at this point, is better than Baker Mayfield ever was at this point, or Jalen Hurts, or uh, Kyler Murray. What, what he's saying is this team is better than they were at any point. Oklahoma wasted a national championship offense— with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray in back-to-back years, they wasted that offense. Why? Because there was no defense. So I don't believe this offense is efficient as what we saw with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. I think they're about as efficient as we saw with Jalen Hurts last year because Spencer Rattler can can stretch the field vertically. We've seen that. But what makes this team better than where they were a year ago and two years ago and three years ago is they're nasty on defense. The defense is, is you've seen the rise of the of the speed defense under Alex Grinch. And as a team, they're better than what they were, what they have been. You put this defense with Baker Mayfield, you put this defense with Kyler Murray, they're in the national championship game for two reasons. Number one, they're not going to drop just some lame game during the season, I don't believe. And Oklahoma absolutely beats Georgia with this defense. So yeah, yeah, they're they're better. They're they're not. Again, I'm not. I, I well, think all, I think all we're saying is eight, Spencer Rattler. But all we're saying is eight games into the season, this is a better team 100%. than eight games into the season when Baker Mayfield right. was under center, when Kyler Murray was under center, and when Jalen Hurts. But see, but were people, but people will will because yes, he mentioned yes, those three names. I get it, and I see exactly the angle that you're taking because it is it is easy to just put all of that that statement onto a singular quarterback and say that Spencer Rattler, like right. you've mentioned, is better than these Heisman winning or Heisman contending quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And and that's not the case. I, I mean, it's possible that Spencer Rattler competes, contends for the Heisman. I just don't think it's this year. No, I agree. There, there are too many names out there that, that take a step or a leap in front of Spencer Rattler for me in that Heisman race. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm fully on board. Well, let's with jump you. into to question number two then, because I think a lot of people are buying into this, and people who are knowledgeable about college football have the exact same mindset that we're seeing uh, Kirk Herbstreit verbalize. The college football playoff rankings came out for the first time this season, and it featured Oklahoma at number 11. Now, some questions were specifically directed at why have a two-loss Big 12 program sitting just outside of the top 10 with a legitimate shot of making the college football playoff an outside one of an outside shot. But there, if the cards fall right, 
<laughs> things could gonna need, happen. It's going to need to be a lot of cards, and you're not playing this weekend. But but go ahead, no. keep going, keep going. Yeah. So the all I'm getting at Matt, is that other people are buying into that same mindset, even though Kirk Herbstreit seems to be the one who is is verbalizing it. In the initial college football playoff rankings, Oklahoma is number 11. And Iowa State, who only has one loss, Mm -hmm. that one loss coming in conference, we're well aware of that, but has a win over the Oklahoma Sooners, sits at number 13, true or false. These roles, these numbers, these rankings should be reversed with Iowa State at 11 and Oklahoma at 13. Okay, I'm going to say false, and and here's why. Um, First of all, hypocritical on my part here, because I have, in our power rankings, I have Iowa State number one. And and I think majority of us did. Right. But that's different than on, on a national scale. When you look at Iowa State, they're they're pretty hot as well. They they smoked Kansas State last week. Blanked them. And they they have one conference loss, but they also have an out of conference loss. So yeah, granted they they've beaten OU, and granted they should be the top team in the Big Twelve. But when you when you weigh in. The, the full resume of what they're doing or what they've done. These two teams are, are on an equal field right now. And, and let's just let's take off our crimson and cream glasses and let's be completely partial for just a second. Can we do that? Oklahoma, Iowa State, neutral field in Dallas. Who's the favorite to win that game? Oklahoma every time. There, and the, well, there you go. That, that answers the question. Nine, nine out of ten times. Oklahoma would be the favorite. And we saw that at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma came in heavily favored in the game against Iowa State, even though that one was being played in Ames. We know what happened. We don't need to replay it. We know Oklahoma took that loss, something they did against Kansas State at home as well. It doesn't mean that those teams right now, eight weeks into the season, are better as you've portrayed. I'm going to jump into Well, hold number- up, hold up. Because I, I, I'm not I, – I, can I – can I add, yeah, go add something it. else to this? Go for it. Because, um, well, two things. Oklahoma was ranked behind Oklahoma State in Bedlam, but the Sooners right. were favored. Right. So that just goes – the point I'm making is that Oklahoma is trending upwards and yeah, everybody and- recognizes it. But the second thing is we we got to acknowledge that Oklahoma is not the top-ranked two-loss team in the, in the college football rankings. No, not at all. So if we're going to make – on the national level – if we're going to make this, hey, well, Oklahoma, why, you know, they, why should they be on the outside of the top 10? If you're if that's your stance, okay, I feel like you have a right to that stance. But then also also in the same breath, you got to be saying Georgia doesn't belong at number 9 as well. <laughs> right? So that's the other thing I was going to say. No, 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 you're good. I was going to say it validates the argument that we were making last week in that these teams, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma were headed into opposite directions Mm -hmm. if you wanted to look at the odds makers that was clearly something that they felt didn't happen in the rankings but as we know the rankings are set the previous week before those two teams even meet up they're they're released on sunday games being played on saturday there's a whole week for things to happen even though we really saw the onset of this downward trend for oklahoma state in my opinion dating back to that texas loss a game that in again my opinion that they had no business losing but i think an overwhelming majority, whether you're an Oklahoma fan, whether you're a Texas fan, whether you're an Oklahoma State fan, would agree with that kind of a statement. Oklahoma State was in control and should have never found themselves taking that loss to Texas. Question number three for you, Matt. It's something we've talked about a little bit here on this podcast. Rumors pertaining to the NFL as well as NCAA coaching vacancies continue to involve 
current staffers at the University of Oklahoma. I don't know what the odds are. I'm not willing to put any odds on this, but I am going to make it a true or false. So basically you've got 50-50. Now true or false, Oklahoma enters the 2021 season with the same coaching staff that they have right now after eight games. No, true that, or false. I, I think Frank, I think I keep calling him Frank. Uh, it's because I'm Shane. old. Shane. Yeah, I, I grew up watching Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech. No, I, I think Shane Beamer is probably out. I really do. I, I think... And Lincoln Riley even said as much in, in his press conference this week. He he basically said, I, I think Shane's going to get this job, and I think he's going to do really well at it. So I, I think coordinators, yes. I mean, I, I think Odom is going to be back. I think Grinch is going to be back. You know, of course, Lincoln Riley is the offensive coordinator, but he's got Kale Gundy there as as kind of a staple there. I, I don't think there's going to be a shakeup on the Oklahoma coaching staff at all, but I do believe – that Shane Beamer, if he takes that job, he might come after some other guys, low-level guys, to to join him at South Carolina. That's always a possibility, you know. You gotta, but you're talking like GAs, you know, no, or maybe I'm, even. I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying with Shane Beamer, yeah, yeah. maybe some GA guys, or maybe some just early, early in gotcha. their career. I thought guys. you meant me. No, I'm, and but, my question, my true or false I, question. I, Lincoln Riley's not going anywhere. Lincoln Riley. No. Here's here's what you got to consider with Lincoln Riley in the NFL. At the University of Oklahoma, who tells Lincoln Riley what to do with the football program? Bob Stoops. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I'm teasing, totally teasing. <laughs> the Godfather. No, but look, there's there's no Lincoln Riley. I mean, he he controls it, right? And and he's active in every aspect of it. So he, if he wants to go recruit a kid, he wants to go recruit a kid. And if he doesn't want that kid, he doesn't get that kid. He doesn't go after him. And if he, if the, the only thing Lincoln Riley doesn't do is he doesn't set the schedule of who Oklahoma is going to play. But everything else with this football program, it, it rises and falls on the shoulders of Lincoln Riley. And he's active in it and he loves it. You go to the, you go to the, the college, or you go from the college to the NFL ranks. Now you're dealing with guys who make more money than you. And you've got a, a, someone called a GM who's going to tell you, Lincoln, here's the players we're giving you. Make it work. Oh, and if you don't make it work, we're going to fire you. And then you've got a guy called the owner. And the owner and the GM oftentimes don't see eye to eye on who you're, they're going to give the coach to play. Yeah, let's let's Lincoln, take the Dallas Cowboys as a prime example. A great example. Now, the the uh, here's the thing. As of right now, Cliff Kingsbury has a pretty good gig at Arizona because they give him a lot of say. I'm curious to see how long that lasts, but that's that's one one exemption out of 32 teams. Cliff Kingsbury may very well be coaching the the NFL MVP for sure this year, and, and, and as, that's what they brought him to do. As Cliff, long as they have right. that success. I, I mean, don't see any reason they rein him in. They had just drafted Josh Rosen. Right. They start courting Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury says, "Look, if you want me to come, you got to draft Kyler Murray." That's pretty much unheard of. When the NFL GM said, "You know, last year we we just spent X amount of millions of dollars on a first round quarterback. Well, if you want me, you got to get me Kyler Murray." Mm -hmm. That is not across the board in the NFL. <laughs> and that's Lincoln Riley loves what he does at the University of Oklahoma. He's not going to the NFL. We're looking at some of these coaches who have had a heavy hand in directing the offense to the success that we've seen them had over the past, what, five, 
four, four years with Lincoln Riley. Head coach, this is yeah. his fourth year. Yeah, as so a head coach. Pre- previous three, we've seen these coaches have a heavy hand in directing those successes. Whether they'll be here or whether they won't, we can always take a look at the numbers, Matt. I don't know if you're aware of this. This season alone, the Oklahoma Sooners lead. I'm just looking across the conference. The Oklahoma Sooners lead the conference in scoring offense. They lead the conference in passing yards per game. And they lead the conference in total yards, total offensive yards per game. The one category that remains elusive at this point is rushing yards per game, where Oklahoma is currently ranked number four. Number four out of 10 with 168.25 yards per game. Iowa State at number one with 205.25. But here's what we've seen. This is a big lead up to my true or false. I get that. This is what we've seen, though. Since the the Texas game, Oklahoma has had a 208-yard rushing output. They've had a 213. They've had a 200. And they've had a 191. The one outlier was against TCU, and that was 166. When we look at those numbers, true or false, Oklahoma can, I want to say trifecta, but it's actually four. What would that that name be? Oklahoma can lead the conference in all four statistical categories by the end of the year. With three games remaining, true or false? Potentially what, okay. four games. Tell, tell me, I'm, I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer your question with a question. OU is number four. Yep. Who's number one? Iowa State. No, they're not. Gonna At pass. 205. No, they're not going to pass Brees Hall. I'm sorry. They're just. I mean, it just. I, uh, look, they're, can, they're, can they at least be number two? Yeah, they're not going to be number four by the end of the season because you, you look back. You you mentioned TCU, but what happened? What what changed with this offense at Texas Tech? Oh yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, right. right? Now and now one of us at this table didn't think Ramondre Stevenson was going to have that. But, big but here's of the an thing, impact. Matt is that same individual has recanted. <laughs> right, I know, the I statement. know. So here, I just let, gotta throw that out there. I'm gonna give you the rest of the numbers. I don't think okay? they. Yeah, I'm just gonna say I don't think they can pass Brees. Don't don't think they can get number one. But Oklahoma 168.25, which I've mentioned. TCU's number two mm-hmm. at 177.29. Yeah, TCU's playing Kansas this weekend, so that's that number's probably going to grow. Um, and then they have Oklahoma State, though, to finish the season. So what you gain by Kansas, you're most likely going to lose uh, with the Cowboys, assuming that they don't just quit like their quarterback and I, running I'm back saying hit. it's less than nine yards that Oklahoma needs to get. They they need to average right. over 180, I think, easily to get that number two spot. So, I mean, I... From, but keep in mind, though, just keep, keep in mind that Oklahoma's final three games, let's just go ahead and pencil them in in the Big 12 championship. Their, their final three games are going to be against West Virginia, pretty solid defensive front. Baylor, a, a decent defensive front. And then most likely Iowa State, Pretty solid defensive front. So it's, but but all that said, go back to Bedlam and Oklahoma State boasted the best run defense in the Big Twelve, and Ramondre just had a career day against them. So I I I don't think that they will be, I really don't think they'll be number four when it's all said and done. But I hundred percent can't tell you that they're going to pass Iowa State and Brees Hall. I keep saying that Oklahoma has three games left in the season, and it is because I am factoring in that Big Twelve championship which Oklahoma is in line for right. barring a loss. So let's let me retract that and just say in two games, can they get that no. number two spot? No, not in two in games. Two? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So we're relegated to top three, maybe. Yeah. A little top more four. realistic. <laughs> <laughs> top four where they're, where they're already at. This, this will be my last question then for you. Okay. I know that there are hopes. I know that there are dreams of playing in the college football playoff. One more year 
unfortunately, every team in the Big 12, every team in the Big 12, I wanted to make yeah, sure before I said it, about that, has two <laughs> losses or more. Right. Can, true or false, a two-loss team will appear in the college football playoff for the first time? Okay. Not, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I, I don't. I, if, if there was a year it was going to happen, it would be this year. But, but think about this. Clemson, you're, you're going to have Clemson-Notre Dame rematch in the ACC championship. And if Clemson, with Trevor Lawrence, wins that game, they're not going to kick Notre Dame out of the playoffs. I think the ACC is going to get two in. Two one lost teams. That surprises me that, that you'd pick the ACC. I just I just feel like that's going to happen when when you look at when you, you look at Alabama, and I'm going to give Alabama a lot of credit. They're they're better. They look Mac, good. Mac Jones is better than I gave him credit for being back in August. Um, this is a good time to remind you boys and girls to put your cell phones on silent. Um, but and then the 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 curious question here: What's going to happen with the Big Ten? Can they get everything in? Ohio State's sitting there at 4-0 and at number four in the college football playoff rankings. There's an open door behind that. But I think it I, – I, I, think, I think you might see if Ohio State – if there's a stumble, if Ohio State loses a game, which they came darn close to losing at Indiana against Indiana last week, if they stumble a game and don't go undefeated – Based off of the, the abbreviated schedule the Big Ten's playing, I think it probably opens the door for like a a Florida. You know, I, I think I think you could be. I think the college football playoff before as a number before Oklahoma makes it with two losses. I think there's a better chance you have the ACC versus the SEC. See, I I'm gonna voice my opinion even though this is not no, my question ahead. to answer. It is your podcast. I though. I feel as though Oklahoma's perception right now heavily hinges. Upon the success of Iowa State and Texas, right? We're gonna and we're gonna get into that in the final segment. And Iowa State's looking pretty good right mm -hmm. now. We've talked about Texas being more of a silent player this year when it comes to the Big 12 and potentially playing in the championship game here in December. But what I'm looking at is if Iowa State beats Texas, that's not a huge setback for Texas. It doesn't look bad on the schedule for Oklahoma either. And if those right. two teams can can continue to win, if Iowa State runs the table into the Big 12 championship and then loses to Oklahoma, I like Oklahoma's chance of of being within that that five six range. Yeah, but that's not two four. Loss, that's not four. I know two lost teams have made it there before, and we need a little bit of chaos to happen. Right. Specifically from the Big Ten. I, I think that's the most likely. That's going to be the key. What happens mm -hmm. in the Big Ten. Yeah. And, and it really comes down when I'm looking at the Big Ten, the biggest factor for me is will they complete their season? Because we talked right. about how late, exactly. yes. number one, how late they started mm -hmm. meant that there was no bye weeks and there was no chance to reschedule no, anything. No. You can't do in the Big Ten what Oklahoma Unless you're playing on West Christmas Virginia. weekend, which isn't going to happen. Right. And so when I'm looking at the Big Ten, if they fail to complete a schedule, how would you rate a team that has eight games played versus a team that's played 11? That's exactly the point I'm making, mm -hmm. especially if you lose one of those games. But here's, here's who you need to watch. I believe you need to watch number six, Florida. Because, first of all, Kyle Trask is... It's not even about Florida, Matt. It's about Texas A&M right now because they've got the win over Florida. No, but Florida's number six. And, and, here, and Texas A&M's number five. Yeah, but here, here's what I'm saying. Florida's last three games... Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU. 
That's that's three wins. All right. So Florida Florida's mm-hmm. Florida's gonna run the table over their their final three games. Texas A and M. Their Party final three games. Alabama. Their their final three games are gonna be LSU. That's a win. Auburn, which could be a loss because it's at Auburn, and then Tennessee. It's going to be interesting to watch those two programs. I think Florida probably has the inside track here because I'm circling that that game at Auburn. But Florida's, they've got a legitimate shot of playing in the, the, the SEC championship. Right. And if that happens, do you fault them for such a late loss in the season? No. Even but though it's, they, it's most likely to an elite team. What I'm saying is if they upset Alabama in the SEC championship game. That ain't happening. But I'm saying if they do, if it's the same thing with with, in my opinion, it's the same thing with Clemson and, and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They're both getting in. So that's what I'm saying. You're going to have the SEC versus the ACC, and they're going to they're going to be smart about. It. They're going to stagger them. You know, you'll have let's say let's say Florida wins, right? And and I so that's going to give you Clemson at number one. Then they're going to put Florida at number two, and then Notre Dame at number three. And then Alabama number four, something along those lines, so that you have in each semifinal. No, I disagree with that. I mean, what's I, I, I would mean, put, we're talking a month out, so I know. And and the reason I would disagree with that is because then it would be an all uh, most likely an all conference champ national championship uh, game. Are we gonna act like we haven't seen that before? We have, and it was the most boring game. In <laughs> fact, I I, I didn't even SEC. watch it. That was the old SEC before the it spread attack matter. came. It doesn't matter. Okay, we're going to look around the Big 12, um, share some more thoughts on Oklahoma, West Virginia being canceled, and then close it out. I was finally looking forward to a full slate of games in the Big 12 this weekend, and wouldn't you know it, it's the Sooners who don't allow that to happen. Oklahoma, West Virginia, as we've already talked about, that game is postponed until December 12th, which means there's four games in the conference that we need to break down real fast and tell you how Oklahoma fans should cheer. Um but I want to start with this. Let me ask you this question, Rich. Are you at all worried about Oklahoma not – I mean, this game being postponed. Think think about this because we have seen multiple times throughout the season, we, we've seen teams miss back-to-back weekends not being able to play. And if, if a situation like that were to happen where Oklahoma can't make the Baylor game on December 5th, it creates this conundrum with the Big 12 Conference. Do you push the championship game back another week? I don't think they want to do that. Or does Oklahoma suddenly, with all this momentum they have, not qualify for the Big 12 Championship because they can't get their full slate of games in? Does that bother you? Are you at all worried? Here we are on Wednesday recording this. So now you basically have 10, 11 days to get everybody ready to play against Baylor. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too terribly concerned. Matt, if there were any week... To miss, it would be Thanksgiving week as people are gathering in probably larger gatherings than what they've done since March, since the onset of things shutting down, such as schools and businesses. But here's what what I'm looking at. When the University of Oklahoma began to navigate 2020, regardless of what that situation was, I think I think the coaching staff, I think the staff, the administration has has handled it appropriately. Mm-hmm. And we can even go back to the beginning of this football season. And this is this is what I guess gives me a little bit of confidence is that I do believe Oklahoma will field a team who's missing would be the, the biggest question. Because we go back to that Missouri State right. team and Oklahoma did not have a full slate of starters or expected starters against Missouri State. Will that impact this team. 
Again, I do believe that they will field the team regardless of the situation, but Oklahoma has also been exceptional in setting what I like to call some ground rules. And what I mean by that is putting these different safeguards in place. As long as they're adhered to, as long as they are abided by, this team should be fine because each and every time that they've had someone who's tested positive, a week later or two weeks later, that individual has tested negative and is once again right back out on the field. Yeah, and if you if you were going to when you look at these final two games, if there was going to be a weekend where you didn't have full access to your roster, I think you would want it to be against Baylor as opposed to West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, especially given the defense of West Virginia. For sure. Okay, so let's look at the let's look at the Big 12. Everything gets started Friday, 11 a.m. kickoff, Iowa State at Texas, ABC kickoff. Oklahoma fans, I I strongly believe you want Iowa State to win this game. Two reasons. Number one, you hate Texas, and so you want Texas to lose. But number two, if Texas wins this game, if we've talked about that nightmare scenario with all the tie-breaking, all, all that stuff comes into play, where if Iowa State and Oklahoma just went out, it's, it's the most direct path. If you're the Sooners, you went out. If you're the Cyclones, you went out, and you play each other in Arlington. A Texas win kind of throws some things in a limbo because then you got all these teams. We, we've talked about it extensively, so I'm not going to keep going over it. You can go back and listen to previous podcasts, but you, all these teams with two losses, and it, there's some crazy things there in the tiebreaker scenario and the round robin type thing that you just don't want Oklahoma to be involved in. So you cheer for Texas. I mean, cheer for Iowa State to beat Texas. Whoa. Sorry. No, yeah, yeah. The most flip yeah. sides yeah, in exactly. there on us. Longhorn's a one-point favorite in this game. Cyclones number 13 on the season. Texas number seven, uh, 13 in the nation. Texas number 17 in the nation. I think too much Brees Hall, but I think a very, very close game. I can't say that it won't be a close game, given the fact that Texas has engineered some fourth-quarter drives that have absolutely set them up for success. Why they abandon their two-minute offense I will never know, especially given that they were so successful in that in numerous occasions this season. When we look at Texas, it's the way they win. We've mentioned that in numerous podcasts this year, but it's the way they win that scares me. Iowa State, I think, had their most dominant performance. It's against an ailing Kansas State right. team, but I'm hoping that that does give them a certain level of confidence. Whether it's running the ball or whether that's defensively, Iowa State looks good right now. Texas has a lot of X factors in their favor that Iowa State simply doesn't have. This one could be a very fun game to watch, um, but ultimately, I, I agree. We do, as Oklahoma fans, want Iowa State to win this game, to avoid any kinds of confusion, to avoid any kind of scenarios where Oklahoma is left out of that Big 12 championship. Okay, I know it's not my weekend or my week to ask, but true or false, if Texas loses this game, Tom Herman doesn't finish the season. False. Okay. Man, they're a top 25 team. They think, won't be if they lose this game. I think that's good enough for them to hold on. Okay, so let's, for move, him on. Specifically. let's move on to Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff, Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. I know the Sooners just put the Cowboys in their place, but that is exactly the reason why you want Oklahoma State to win this game over a hapless Texas Tech. The, the Red Raiders come in gunning for a three-game winning streak against the Cowboys, three and five on the season, two and five in Big 12 play. But this is a game just for all appearances and so forth. If you're an Oklahoma fan, do you want Oklahoma State to win this game just because it makes you look good? Sure. Is that do you, is that a, the way you look at it? Yeah, for for sure. Um, Texas Tech. And that, unless, sorry, 
unless Texas beats Iowa State, in which case you want Oklahoma State to lose this game. Yeah, well, I, I'm looking at Oklahoma State, and I do question the health of the team. We saw against Oklahoma some of the key players taking Quitters. some injuries. Quitters. You can label it however you want to, Matt. I'm not using that that terminology. But with with uh, Texas Tech, what's the deal with the quarterback position? Is Alan Bowman the starter? Yeah, they're back to Alan Bowman. Yeah, and I have no idea what's going on. I don't think I, Matt Wells does either. I have no idea what the psyche is of these players who know at any point in time they can be benched in favor of the other one. It really it, it harkens back to when Baker Mayfield and Cliff Kingsbury were at Texas Tech. They had that three-quarterback shimmy i don't know what you want to call it but at any point in time a player could be benched in favor of another it seems like we're repeating that year just not three candidates there are only two instead kansas uh, tcu that's the that's the nightcap we're going to talk about that real fast um actually it's tcu at kansas here's what blows my mind have you looked at this do you, do you know anything about this game no not at all obviously tcu at three and four is going to be the favorite right also, TCU is pretty lame on offense. How many points would you say the Horned Frogs are favored by in this game? Man, I, I'm not going to say it's a ton, but I'd say 14. 24 and a half. That's wow. more of an indictment on Kansas than it is a, a positive for TCU. Just throwing that out there. I, I don't even want to talk about this game. I don't, I don't see any chance of an upset for Les Miles. Uh, TCU goes four and four on the season after this game. You got anything you want to add to that? No, not at all. Okay, here we go. Kansas. I mean, oh, go ahead. I'll add just one thing. In hindsight, Kansas hasn't played football in a couple of weeks now either. I don't know that that's going to help him. Some Whereas might, other programs some might would... argue that Kansas hasn't played football in like a decade. <laughs> other programs, it would help the health, the health and the depth situation. But Kansas just not playing. They just need time. On the field. This one could very well be 24 points, Matt. Kansas State at Baylor, 6 o'clock, ESPN 2. Um, Kansas State is hapless, man. They're they're just hapless. They, they've 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 been figured out. I, I think this is going to be a fun game because Baylor is bad and Kansas State is bad. I, I, I don't know how it's going to work out. The Bears are a five and a half point favorite. I think I think the winner of this game is by a field goal or less. But I'm, field I'm goal. a field goal or less, but I'm going to pick Baylor to win because they're the home wow. team. And just because I have zero confidence in Kansas state right now. I think from what I'm reading, Kansas state's attempting to break this trend, to break the mold, to do something different. I think it works out in their favor and they do get this win over Baylor. Baylor is not a good football team. And they, it's because they lack the physicality that Matt rule brought from a sideline. Ultimately, you look at Baylor, you look at the stark contrast from this year to last year. This is a team that that has completely nosedived and has no chance, in my opinion, of being, I shouldn't say being in this game, but winning this game against Kansas State. I'm just going to say, have you watched Kansas State play recently? No, why would I do that? Because they're bad. I right. watched good football. Didn't I, we establish that at the beginning of the year? <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> Ironically, though, um, TCU at Kansas, the game that we have no interest in, it's the only game in the Big 12 this weekend that's not threatened by rain or storms. So the sun's shining on the only game that's just garbage this weekend in the Big 12. I just find that to be a little bit interesting. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for us. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You can find us online, heartland-sports.com. You can subscribe to the Sooner Nation podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Thank you so much. We'd love to hear back from you. 
can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland on Twitter. You can always shoot us an email, Heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving, everybody. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>